This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The show and tell is actually just like a kick at him. That's what this whole podcast is at, Josh. <laughs> it's the only reason we do it still. To kick at him. Theo would have stopped a long time ago if it wasn't for me and getting the rag on me. <laughs> That's the fun of this whole thing. Cannot play with it. Cannot win with it. Cannot go with it. Can't do it. You play the game. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I'm your host Neil. With me is Adam. What's up, Adam? What up, Neil? Josh is also here with us, which we're super pumped about. What up, Josh? Hey guys, how's it going? Not much, man. I'm glad I didn't ruin anyone's schedule today. Josh can make it. I didn't push him to exhaustion. Yeah, I have an early bedtime. That's a true story. In the group chat, you sounded very frustrated last week no i wasn't frustrated <laughs> it was fine all right good well we're all here today that's all that matters um do you guys have anything going on in your life anything new anything interesting I know, you know the intro is where you guys typically fail me you guys are typically lackluster but uh anything going on anything new run into any dangerous squirrels like me anything <laughs> the, well, so this squirrel like he didn't he didn't lick it right i mean he just touched it. He just barely touched your Gatorade. I think. Josh, do you want to fill in the listeners, or do you just want to leave them with the line? The squirrel didn't lick it, did he? Yeah, it's well, kind I mean, of. Uh... Squirrels don't lick things. I don't think. For those who don't know what Josh is talking about, since he said the squirrel didn't lick it and left it out there like that, uh, I was in Washington D.C. this past week, and also New York. But in Washington D.C., we ran into a thug squirrel. I was not made aware of these things before we got there. And we were outside with my family. They were eating some chips, drinking some Gatorade. And this squirrel, man, was just just bossing up on us, man. Just putting the pressure on us, trying to get some chips out of the kids. Ran up on us. We moved from the bench to the to the other to like the little wall that you could sit on. He jumped over there, came up to the Gatorade bottle, put his hands and his lips right up against the bottle, Josh. And Josh doesn't think rabies lips are good enough reason to stop drinking a Gatorade. He thinks that, you know, it needs to put some tongue in there. It needs to get some action in there for you to bail on the Gatorade. I threw the Gatorade out. I didn't trust it. Adam, did smart I make a smart man. move, right? I, I, don't, a smart I move. don't trust squirrels. It's ironic. Right after that happened to you, literally like a day or two after that, I'm walking down an alley in Chicago and a squirrel runs up this little gated fence and like perches himself and then like does a little leaping move at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I think squirrels are going nuts, man. We just don't know it. They're ready to man. take over the world or some shit. This this They're squirrel. Dude, it really it really was as if like 
it was like I was eating its food, like the way it pressed me, like as if it was offended that I wasn't backing off my food. Like this, this thing was, it was, it was no nonsense, man. This thing was really in the game, man. Hey, man, squirrels need electrolytes too. That's true. And Josh thinks I should continue to drink it. I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, I guess if it was a rat, I would have definitely thrown that away. But I mean, a squirrel is basically a rat with a big tail, <laughs> fluffy tail. Squirrels are rats with beautiful tails. Yeah. There's no other way about they it. They have personalities. Yeah, uh, thug they personalities. They got little raccoon hands, man. Yeah. They're like a cross between a raccoon and a rat. <laughs> other than the squirrels, DC was great. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it was it was pretty cool. Um, I would say that it's I I didn't expect it to be as big as it was, so it deserves more than a day, you know, half a day trip. And without kids, it'd probably be easier to, you know, really knock some things out of the way. But uh, I couldn't do it in one day. But it, it was really a really cool place. Um, so I definitely recommend anyone go there if you have not. Um, also, New York was good. You know, catching up with my family, being with the grandmother, celebrating her ninety years young. It was it was a good time, man. And 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 all this was our first ever road trip as a family and the kids did really good, man. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't half bad, man. Have you guys ever driven like super long distance like that? Oh yeah. We did it a ton when I was growing up. I mean, I I come from a pretty big family, so my parents weren't pa- paying for all of us to fly <laughs> exactly. anywhere. So, yeah, I drove to Florida multiple times and uh definitely like when you're a kid, I don't know about you guys, but for me, like riding in the car, we hit that perfect age range where I was young enough uh, to like be excited about. But uh, <laughs> we hit that age range where it was when TVs had like first been introduced into minivans <laughs> and my parents got one. So like the whole trip was just us watching whatever movies we wanted which ended up being a lot of Big Daddy and Dumb and Dumber, but uh, <laughs> it was it was great. I mean, like, they were, what, from here to, like, Miami or uh, anywhere in Florida is really, like, 12 hours, I think, about from Chicago. I want to say it was 12 to 16, somewhere in that range. But anyway, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember those as, like, being negative trips, but just mostly because we were watching movies the whole time, which is good stuff. Yeah, with the, with the phones and everything, it makes it a lot easier now. To the iPad and stuff, you just throw it to the kid. Like, hey man, watch this damn phone, watch this iPad, and it kind of yeah. How do him. you entertain yourself though? Uh so I had I tried a couple of different things. See, the the drive was like twenty something hours, and oh on the way up, we split it up. We stayed in Virginia. It was really nice. You know, I thought it was gonna be like Josh's neck of the woods, if you know what I'm saying, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't. It was good and. uh Virginia was great, and so it was easy to split that up because we went to Washington the next day and then drove from there to, to New York, so that wasn't that bad. But coming back, we one-shotted it, man. We one-shotted it. Ooh. We did it in one shot, I, and I was sick, man. I stopped at the south of the border. I'm not sure if you guys know what that is. It's like between North Carolina and South Carolina. It's like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But uh, we stopped there, and I was like throwing up in this dirty-ass bathroom and stuff. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what I got, man, on the way home. I was like, how can I get sick on this one trip? Like, just, you know, I didn't want to stop. And we didn't stop and we still made it happen. So we just, it was just podcasts, music, whatever we could, you know what I'm saying? To get, to get through it. And, uh, we made it happen. I, I even got the wifey hooked on some, uh, you know, murder podcasts. That's why I pulled it off. I actually, I had, I had to be creative with it though. I didn't want to play murder podcasts out loud with my kids and freak them out. 
So I was like, how can I make this work? And so I took my AirPods. I say, you get one ear, I get the other. And uh, oh, we made it happen. That's brilliant. Yeah. That, that's a great idea, man. <laughs> yeah. AirPods are the future for parents. Exactly. I said, you get one ear, I get the other. And this way I could keep her engaged and know if she's falling asleep or if I'm falling asleep, start asking questions like, hey, hey, what's going on? You know, who do you, who do you think did the murder? What was, uh, what was your go-to starter true crime podcast to I try actually, and uh, – <laughs> you know indoctrinate her yeah i was trying to figure out which one that was the best route to go and i i actually i don't know if you probably would, i don't know if you would go with me on this one but i went with i don't know if you've even listened to it but uh um i think it's to live and die in la oh yeah, yeah. no i've listened to it okay yeah. yeah so i went with that one i didn't want to That's get well produced yeah it was well produced and i didn't want to get into like kids getting murdered and stuff i didn't want a gross route right out the, out the gate so i was like this one's not too bad you know and it had, and it really had like an ending, you know, like where they give you who did it and stuff, kind of. So I didn't want to leave her hanging. She'd be like, "Fuck this shit!" Like they don't even tell you who did it after all that. So uh, yeah, so that was the one I went with. But yeah, man, road trip was pretty good. Road trip was pretty good, all all things considered. And um, yeah, that's my that's my that's my latest update on my life. I know Josh doesn't tell much. I think he's in the witness protection, but that's okay. Um, other than that, everything is good. I'm glad you guys are good. Then we could just get into some football. You guys down for that right now? For sure. Since Josh doesn't even tell us if he takes long family trips, I'm telling you, this guy, I think his dad's like in the FBI or something. Uh, anyway, anyway, we want, we'll move on. We'll move on. Well, let's start with trust issues. Trust issues. There's some interesting names on trust issues this week. Some guys that were shockers to the fantasy world a little bit, caught people off guard. Some guys that are letting people down. Some people that people just continue to not believe in. But we'll start with our boy Baker Mayfield, who's all caught up in handshake gate and all kinds of stuff right now. Um, we all know Baker is a, you know, a very, how would you describe Baker's personality, guys? How, how would you put that? How would you describe it to someone who doesn't know Baker Mayfield? I mean, I think a lot of people would say obnoxious, but I don't, I don't mind him. He's just. I was going to say polarizing. Point. Yeah. Because, like, the one poll is some people think he's obnoxious, but others on the opposite side think that, like, his great, you know, game spirit or, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it, swagger. Yeah. He puts a lot out there. <laughs> I have trust issues with Baker. I know both of you have kind of invested in him heavily this year, at least as it seemed like leading into it. I don't have any Baker shares that I can think of off top um, because, wait, do I have any Baker shares? I don't think I do. So I don't have any personal you know relation here at this point but i would have trust issues i feel like a lot of people are asking questions about him now if you're in any of the group chats or the on twitter they're asking you know do they bail on him do they keep him i feel like at this point you know if there's any halfway decent qbs on the waiver wire that are producing i i have no issue dropping baker um i know some people may say hold you know in case he you know in case he turns it around because he does have all the obvious weapons in place he flashed last year no reason to not believe that he can do it again, but I, 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 you know, I'm not big on waiting on guys to come around, especially if they're not like, you know, if there's better, if there's other options, I'm not big on waiting. So my, I'm definitely a trust issue on this, but I'm curious more both of your thoughts because I feel like you both were more heavier Baker this year than me. So Adam, do you want to start first because I know you have some shares for sure. Um, and oh so, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm invested in like I, you know what I consider my quote-unquote most important league, which is ironic because there's no money on the line, but it's the Scott Fishbowl, and there's more bragging rights on the line in that league than anywhere else. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's disheartening. I mean, personally, you know, in that particular situation, because it's a super flex league, I pretty much have to start Baker every week. Um, I definitely have personal regret for not, like, 
being more active on the waiver wire and getting one of these many backup quarterbacks that have hit um, because they've been really productive and Baker has not. Um, ultimately, I don't know how you can really have confidence in him moving forward. Um, I don't... I don't think that in any like one QB league, he's rosterable. I mean, I think you just got to ultimately start streaming if you hadn't been already. I mean, he's more or less tanked any single QB league if you've been rolling him out there each week. So, yeah, I think I have serious trust issues and probably would need to see him perform well for a week or two before I'd even feel comfortable putting him in the lineup. Yes, I mean, we both definitely have trust issues. Josh, I'm curious. I'm sure you're going to agree here because, I mean, the big point to make here is that he actually has just been bad. It's not like, you know, there's something that I don't think that Josh, that even you may have that you can put kind of take the blame off him. I don't think there is that in this situation. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, his line has not been good. He's, he's got the number 32 protection rate in the league, but even his clean pocket completion rate is not good. Number 35. Um, he, he's played a lot of tough matchups. This number 17 was his, his like the, 17th most points allowed to quarterback so a bottom half matchup still was his best matchup but his his quarterback hit rate is down this year and he's just playing worse i like i just i don't know how to explain it like i think it's just a chemistry a chemistry thing with the new receivers that they've got there they just need some time i don't know maybe maybe they need to change the way that they're doing things too but no, a big definitely trust issues. I, I wouldn't want to start him in a league where I was trying to win now. Yeah, so if anyone out there is still wondering, do they hang on to Baker, we're all agreeing it's you know it's safe to bail, especially if you're not in a super flex, if it's just like a one QB league. If you're in super flex, obviously things change. You know, we wouldn't start him. You know, if you want to, you got to hang on at some point. You know, some, some, in these cases, super flex, you just got to hang on, basically not cut the guy. But, you know, hang on, but not start him. At, at all costs, you know, like, like, you know, Adam mentioned, there's tons of backup quarterbacks that have done well or guys that, you know, their vets have been replaced and now they come in and, and make it happen. So it's just, you know, there's been a lot of opportunities to replace a Baker. And, and, and that's kind of the problem here. And like we've talked about a lot in the podcast is when do you decide that it's time to find an alternate option? Um, if you thought that early on, you know, you had a chance to kind of, you know, cut, you know, get an, an exit strategy with Baker. But if you continue to hang on, you know, this early in the season, which isn't, you know, crazy of you, then you may have let some opportunities pass like Adam has <laughs> Scott Fishbowl, for, some, for example. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, you know, it's a tough situation, but I think that's, this is a good example of one of the situations where we talk about bailing on guys before it's too late. Um, so yeah, we're, we all seem like we're pretty, you know, okay with saying bail if, you know, it's a one QB league for sure. And don't start him if you don't have to in a super flex. Um, the next guy on the list is Terry McLaurin in Washington. He His team is in turmoil right now. I guess they always are in turmoil if you really want to look at it that way. Um, they just fired their head coach, uh, Jay Gruden. And I don't know if people look at that as a positive or a negative. Uh, you've seen guys uh, mention that regardless of who coaches this team, it's never going to be promising unless the owner leaves. So that's you know one way to look at this if you want. I know some people don't care about that kind of stuff or believe in that kind of stuff because there's no stats to back it or data or however you want to look at it. But um, he's, on, he's on a team that is definitely facing some some issues, and he's a rookie. So we have to, we have to consider that. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have necessarily trust issues because he has produced, 
but I have trust issues because of his team more than anything that is in his control. Um, it's kind of like, and you guys let me know if I'm offbeat on this, but I almost feel like, you know, uh, Preston Williams kind of situation. Like, the whole team sucks, everybody sucks, but he can still produce. You know what I mean? Um, so I kind of feel like that with him. I, 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 I'm not going to go cra- – I don't, I don't know if the first three weeks, that he, you know, way he played – if that's something you could really depend on, though. So I kind of feel like there's trust issues if that's what you're expecting. Um, but if you're just being, you know, more realistic about it and you just want him to be your flex or whatever, then I don't have issues with it. But if you want him to be, you know, this this top wide receiver in the league, this top 10 guy, top 15 guy, I, I do have trust issues. And I don't know if I'm alone in that regard here with you guys or not. I no, I, I think I pretty much agree with you. On on that team, he is by far the air yards leader. So that's that's a great sign. And his his racer is decent. So he's doing a good job of converting the air yards into actual receiving yards. He's even the target leader on the team. So I, I think he's just a rookie. Like this is just what rookies do. They're just not gonna be consistent unless they're Odell Beckham Jr. Like you, you're just looking for any kind of a sign that a rookie is good, and he's given us that. Right. But in redraft, I mean, that's you got some pretty high hopes if you think and you're gonna flex Terry McLaurin every week. I don't know, honestly. I think that, I mean, what you said essentially regarding his targets is probably the thing I focus on the most, which is that for a rookie, he has been extremely consistent in his target share now with the coaching change there it's going to be interesting to see how that causes the target share to adjust uh if it stabilizes or if it you know drops or increases just based on the change in play color alone um what i'm more intrigued by than anything though is is who's going to be the quarterback there moving forward i really feel like rolling court mccoy out there was really just kind of a sacrificial lamb uh, against the Patriots. So I can't really read too much into that. Now you've got a bye week on top of that before the, uh, I'm sorry, they don't have a bye week, uh, my mistake. Um, but now you have them heading to Miami for this, what seems like potentially, I mean, it's not even potential. It's the easiest matchup they will have all year. <laughs> yeah. uh, it seems like the perfect situation for them to move to Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you know, they're making the coaching change. Now the next step is to make the quarterback change. So I'm hoping that's what we see. Um, I think worst case scenario would be that they somehow roll Colt McCoy back out there again. Um, But I really think if either Case Keenum or if they finally move on to Dwayne Haskins, we really, we could see more spike games from Terry McLaurin. And I think he's definitely like flex worthy moving forward as long as Colt's not the quarterback. Damn, all right. So you feel he's flex-worthy for sure. Me and Josh are a little more iffy on it than you. It feels like none of us are obviously expecting, you know, what he came busted out the gate with, right? No one's expecting that here, right? I don't know. I, I honestly, I think that he can definitely get back to that. I mean, it's not like he was having insane games. He right. had one game over 100 yards with a touchdown. The other two games are, you know, just games where he's getting targeted a lot. They're, they're volume games where he's getting a touchdown. You know, five for 62 and a touch, six for 70 and a touch. Those are games that I definitely think he can reproduce. The, right. the, those are mostly volume-dependent games where he's scoring a touchdown. So he's not going to have a touchdown every week, but he's going to have similar six for 70 kind of games. Gotcha. So I say trust issues, uh, trust issues aspect, you kind of tr- you trust him then. 
Um, oh, for sure. Okay, gotcha. All right, and the last guy that I want to bring up here in trust issues is Jordan Howard, my boy, my dog, Jordan Howard. You guys know I love me some Jordan Howard. You know, I've never wavered on my guy, Jordan Howard. My boy, Jordan Howard, has always come through for me. So no matter what the doubters have said about him, it'll never change. My commitment to Howard will never change. Nothing will come between me and Jordan Howard, not even a Miles Sanders, as so many felt he should have. So I trust Jordan Howard. I don't even think I need to give reasons why, because it's very obvious. Even though everyone continues to put blinders on and act like it's not happening, Jordan Howard produces. So I like Jordan Howard. I trust Jordan Howard. I think the Eagles know they should trust Jordan Howard. Sure, mix Miles Sanders in, mix whoever you want in, but Jordan Howard is just the, the guy, the consistent guy to get you the work, man. Now you two can tell me why I'm wrong and I should have trust issues for Jordan Howard. Uh, Neil, like, look, I, I, I can't believe it, but I think I, I think I agree with you. Oh, like, blasphemy! This is a legendary Eagles, moment. Yeah, I mean, the, so the Eagles are seventh in the league and in, in points scored. Jordan Howard is top ten in red zone touches and goal line carries. His yards created per carry is still trash. His juke rate is still trash, but it doesn't. I mean. He's getting a 40% opportunity share on on the offense that is running the seventh most plays per game and scoring the seventh most points. And, and that's that's all that, that's all it is. Like he doesn't have to be elusive to continue to do what he's doing. And apparently coaches like him enough to put him on the field. So You're damn right they do, it. Josh. You're damn right they do. Chicago never should yeah, trade Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to say to bench a guy who's got four touchdowns in the last three games. That being said, I mean, this is a player who is completely one-dimensional. He's not going to do anything for you in the passing game. So he's completely reliant on volume rushing, and he's not getting volume. He's maxed at 15 carries over, this, over the entirety of this season. And even with that, from like a production standpoint, He's never topped 90 yards. He's only topped 65 yards once on the season. So really what we're seeing right now is we're just seeing him having a positive correlation to touchdowns in a very short window. And I think it's very reasonable to think that those things are going to shift, Uh, especially with them playing Minnesota this week. I could definitely see the – game script causing that game to not be one that Jordan Howard is going to be falling into the end zone multiple times and being able to boost his fantasy production by getting these, these touchdowns. It's not going to be an every week thing. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the LeGarrette blunt of the Eagles down the stretch and he's going to score 10 touchdowns the rest of the way. I just don't see it. And if he doesn't do that, he's not going to be a top fantasy producer because he is really touchdown dependent. Why can't he be blunt Adam? Why can't he be blunt? Tell me why. Because of how Philadelphia uses the running backs, and I don't think that they're going to continue down the stretch to have this offense that he is falling into the end zone every game. Oh, my I just, gosh. I, I don't see it. I mean, if you want to bank on a guy who's just going to you know score touchdowns, then by all means. But when I look for fantasy production, I'm looking for guys that can catch passes. I'm looking for guys that are getting large amounts of volume. And... I'm not seeing that from Jordan Howard. I'm seeing him score touchdowns right now. And when he scores touchdowns, he will have good weeks. But if he has that same week that he had 
this past week, the week before that, the week before that, any of those weeks without scoring touchdowns, and they're under 10 fantasy points. Like, he, he is a touchdown or bust kind of guy. So if he keeps falling in the end zone, it's going to be great. But he's going to have those weeks where he doesn't. Jordan Howard is what everybody wanted Sony Michelle to be. He, he's he's the guy who's scoring touchdowns on a good offense. Like that's all he is. But yeah, I mean, it's even a thing it, it, in fantasy. It, it, I mean, I understand what you're saying. The the touchdowns could just dry up, and that would be very bad for Jordan Howard. But, this is true. This is true. I trust. But him. the difference. I was gonna say though, the the difference with Sony Michelle though is that like. Sony has shown the ability to have like large yardage games and the Patriots have shown a history of feeding running backs in the winter. And as the season wears on, they feed their running back more and more and more. We haven't seen that with the Eagles. We've seen the exact opposite. The Eagles are, you know, an offense that we've seen year after year after year, use a multitude of backs, rotate their backs, not give their backs a large amount of work. So I think from a volume standpoint, it's a concern. From a pass-catching standpoint, it's a concern. I don't know. I, I don't think that these last three weeks have just convinced me that Jordan Howard's going to be a lock in a lineup each week. Let me also say that Adam is a Bears fan. The Bears traded Jordan Howard. So this is true. There's some bias there. I don't care what you say, Adam. If it makes you feel say. any better, I did not like that move because I don't like spending a first round or uh, – <laughs> Not a first-round pick, but an early pick on David Montgomery. But nonetheless, we'll move on. Let's move on. Let's move on from trust issues. Let's stroll over to our rankums. Our rankum. We got two, I think we got this week. Do we got two or three this week? We got three. Um, so let's do our uh, rankums. We'll start with players that were ready to trade away. And again, we'll preface this by saying we're thinking ahead of ourselves and far, in terms of you know, how long are you going to let your team suffer because of these guys? How long are you going to hang on to the hope that they come around to, you know, who they've been in the past or what you expected from them, that kind of, or even to the point of where you think you're even going to get any value at this point from these guys. So um, the guys that you rank obviously first will be the one that you're most interested in trading away down to the guy you're least interested in ready, you know, be ready to trade away. Um, the three players that we have listed are Stefan Diggs, A.J. Green, James Conner, Stefan Diggs for obvious reasons because he hasn't produced in Minnesota this week, this year for some reason. We don't know why. A.J. Green because he's been hurt this entire time and still hasn't come back yet. And I don't know if there's – has there been any date on when A.J. Green's come back yet? I haven't seen no anything. Date, right? I've seen more talk about him getting traded than coming back. Exactly. And then James Conner. And I, I, he's on the list here more so because of how he's produced – and the, the quarterback situation in Pitt, and how you think that's going to affect him, and how, just how everything is going right now in Pittsburgh. So uh, who, who wants to take this one to start? I mean, I'll jump in. Okay. Honestly, I, I saw James Conner on here, and I was a little perplexed because, I, I don't know, I didn't really pay attention to his production this week, I guess close enough because so many people were going off that I didn't really notice the people who weren't. But just two weeks ago, this guy had eight receptions. I mean – with the you know struggling quarterback situation, one of the things that that does cause are dump offs. And James Conner, unlike somebody like Josh or Jordan Howard, 
catches passes. So for him, to me, it doesn't make too much of a difference. He's the quarterback. It's going to hurt him from a game script perspective, but he, what he's going to lack in, you know, potential touchdown equity, he's going to make up for while, you know, being able to catch the football. So the real question is, am I more willing to trade away AJ Green or Stephon Diggs? And I think the move is to trade somebody like AJ Green because Stephon Diggs right now, I don't, I don't know what you get for him. I mean, ultimately, I think that Stephon Diggs at this point has like severely depreciated trade value. And what his potential is, is way above that. So you're not going to sell him for anything that is, you know, more than what he has potential to become. A.J. Green, on the other hand, he's kind of like that lottery ticket player who, if you wanted to target a team that's 5-0 and or 4-1 and in your league, he's the type of player that they might want to stash. And you can get somebody that you can actually utilize now. So for me, he's definitely the main trade away. Josh? Yeah, I, I, I just I don't think anybody's buying Stefan Diggs. So so I would just hold on to him and hope that next year something something looks different. Uh, AJ Green, I, I agree. He could have he could have a good remainder of the season. So I think there I think there would be a more of a market there. And I think I would just want to keep James Conner too because who are you really going to go out and buy that you can start immediately and have confidence that they're going to outproduce James Conner? Right. Okay. So yeah, and, and that makes sense. So I mean, as far as with Connor, I know I know we feel he has a safety net because of the receptions. Um, I know that it seems like no one is really concerned about who the quarterback is. I guess I don't know. You guys don't seem concerned at all, right? Who, no matter who's the, the quarterback there. Um, I mean, it's definitely a concern from just like a game flow standpoint. I mean, but I mean, Connor hasn't ran for over fifty five or fifty five yards this year, yeah. and he's a running back. No. And uh, he catches the ball sometimes, but I mean, do you keep knocking quarterbacks out for him? I don't know how, how, how long that's going to last, or how much those receptions are going to even matter. Um, to say there's no concern or anything about him, I don't know. I think that's kind of ignoring some obvious concerns here. I mean, the Steelers' offense—if they don't get something figured out at quarterback, where they can at least, like, you know, run the wildcat or, or do what they've been doing for the last two weeks—it's—it's going to be real bad. I think I, I would move James Conner first on this list. Honestly, I would. I feel like teams can turn wide receivers on and off, just changing the play calling, you know, just getting a guy throwing the ball to him a little more. So, you know, we've seen Thielen complain in Minnesota, and then he goes off the next week. I don't know the deal with Stephon Diggs. I don't know if this guy is trying to force a trade. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know. I don't really know what's happening. I don't know what's going on in Minnesota. But I feel like, you know, he could be traded and, and do great somewhere or they could start giving him the ball more and they fix whatever's going on. Um, A.J. Green, you both have mentioned, you know, this guy he can come back and just basically start where he always leaves off. But Connor, man, like that concerns me a lot. And I feel like if, if there's someone like Adam who's buying whatever Connor is doing right now and believes in him and believes that some, any quarterback's going to throw him the ball and it's going to work, I would sell Adam Connor if I got if I got a player back that I, you know, that I liked more for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I would have no problem selling Connor. I'm not. I'm what would it believer. take? Would you trade Connor away for Chris Carson? Um, I don't know. They're probably pretty close. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly, I think that you're you're way off on Connor, especially with Jalen Samuels now expected to miss the next month. Like the the concern with him to me is a volume concern and it's a game script concern. I don't really know if his game script gets that dramatically worse going from Mason Rudolph to 
God, I can't even remember the name of the guy they're starting Devin, now. Devlin, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that just goes to show, though, like, I don't know if the drop-off is that insane. Mason Rudolph wasn't doing enough for that offense to really make it feel like that dramatic of a drop-off. But now, with Jalen Samuels leaving, you have a larger market share for James Conner to get a piece of. So, I don't know. I think that a lot of the concerns with him so far from a rushing perspective have really been volume concerns, and his volume's set to go up. So, I, yeah, I mean, if somebody's willing to trade James Conner, I don't know. I'm personally buying, Neil selling, so this would be interesting to see how it is moving forward. Yeah, he's right now in PPR, I believe he's like the 18th running back, scoring-wise. Um, so, you know, guys that fall around him are Marlon Mack, Le'Veon Bell ahead of him guys like Jordan Howard and Devonta Freeman behind him right behind him so that's kind of how it's falling right now so I guess like you said it just depends on the the uh, person's opinion but I definitely if I had Connor wouldn't be afraid to trade him right now and see what people would be willing to pay um, like, I, like I would trade him for a Philip Lindsay if someone thought less of Lindsay I would do it in a heartbeat um, it's just I don't know maybe I'm crazy maybe I'm crazy guys it wouldn't be the first time someone's called me right Adam wouldn't be the yeah, first I wasn't going to say it this time. <laughs> All right. The next grouping we have here is get them while you still can at a lower price. This is how I'm looking at this. Low or lower price, then they will potentially go up if their luck changes, if you feel like things are going to get better for them. Um, I threw some interesting names here in this group. Let me know what you guys think. We have Melvin Gordon, OBJ, and Juju. Josh, you could start. Okay, so if, if it's redraft, I definitely want Melvin Gordon first because I feel like, uh, you know, maybe it takes a week or two, but Melvin Gordon is going to more or less resume being Melvin Gordon. I, I think Juju, I don't have any real hope for him this season. I mean, I know he, he had a decent week. He's he's getting targeted. Maybe it, maybe it works out, but I'm, I'm kind of just resigned to Juju not being a wide receiver one. And Odell Beckham's in the middle there for me where I think the, the Browns could figure this out and he could get on track. So, I, I mean, I would be in a redraft setting. I would be probably going after Melvin Gordon first if all these guys cost the same and then OBJ and Juju last. I, I don't want any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, um, it's tough juju i mean i love his long-term prospects but now with yet another quarterback change i i can't feel confident in him until big ben's back i mean there's just too much turmoil on that offense and i don't i don't really see how you can feel confident in him moving forward um obj i i mean outside of his one big game this year he he's really been pretty invisible and with baker continuing to struggle that offensive line continuing to struggle they're targeting jarvis landry more than obj so uh, i mean i can't feel super confident in him moving forward either i think that of the three he's probably the one that i would feel the most confident in if only because if that offense gets right, he still does have huge potential. Like, he doesn't have some sort of injury holding him back. He doesn't have competition holding him back. So of the three, I feel like he still has the most upside. Uh, for Melvin Gordon, I think that, I, I don't know. I'm kind of in between you two because I know Neil is, like, full-on Austin Eckler and doesn't think that Melvin Gordon's going to factor back in, <laughs> thinks that 
Eckler's going to continue to maintain this this workload or, or at least a pretty high workload. I know Josh thinks that Melvin Gordon's going to basically take over where he left off from last year. I honestly think it's going to be a pretty even split. Like, I, I think what we just saw this past week, as far as production goes, is probably not what we're going to see. We're obviously not going to see Eckler see double-digit targets and catches. I mean, that's outrageous. But as far as, like, a usage standpoint goes, I can really see them using Melvin Gordon more in the rushing game while he still has, like, three or four receptions, which he had four receptions this past week. Um, but... I think Eckler is going to get phased out more in the rushing game. So I can see them having more of like an even split down the stretch. Um, so for me, if I had to rank them, it would be OBJ, Melvin Gordon, Juju. Can I, can I just say that like, just from the perspective of just being a fan of football, that Austin Eckler is a star. Like he spent the first four weeks saying, okay, I can be Melvin Gordon. And then last week was like, oh, okay, look, I'll just be Keenan Allen now. Like, <laughs> it, he's, Pretty much. He's fantastic. I mean, that game reminded me of watching James White in the Super Bowl. Just like, how many t- how many catches is he going to get? Like, it just kept going. He had like it was 16 outrageous. targets. Yeah, yeah, he's just an amazing football player. 16 targets, 15 receptions. Ridiculous. And for anyone to think that he'll be, like, phased out is crazy to me. Like, I mean, Melvin Gordon, yeah, he'll get more carries, whatever the case is. But, like, I don't know, man. Eckler just gets it done, man. Josh already is a star. I, I almost wonder how much Eckler played into Gordon coming back when he did. I can't I can't think it was a, had no factor. I feel like it had to be, yeah, it had to be something. I, I'm kind of right there with you. Yeah. Because there was no reason for him to come back when he did. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we all pretty I much I think agreed. he missed the team. I think he just missed it. Like, like he made his point. I held out. I think he just wanted to be back. I don't know. Yeah, Josh, I think you're being nice about Melvin Gordon again, man. You're a Melvin Gordon protector. I get it, man. You guys like to protect your Melvin Gordon. He was scared. Eckler got him shaking. All right, let's move on to the last ranking we have here. Tight ends for rest of the season. Disley, Everett, Herndon. And it's important to mention that Herndon will have his starting quarterback back this week coming up. So that will play a factor as well. Yeah, I think it's exactly like you have it here. I mean, I I love everything we're seeing from Will Disley. Honestly, I think that I think it was kind of easy to think that he's going to be a flash in the pan. But the way they're utilizing him, I mean, he seems to be a focal point in that offense moving forward. And uh, I think honestly, like all three of these guys are going to be pretty pretty worthy the pretty like start worthy week after week moving forward in my opinion but uh Everett I mean he had that huge blow up game last week putting up over 100 yards receiving but I just I, I don't know how I can feel confident in him moving forward just because there's so many weapons on that offense that he's just from a week to week basis it's going to be so hard to to be confident in what he's able to produce and Herndon I mean I don't know what to expect because we've only seen Sam Darnold for one game. We've seen the Jets really look awful, and we haven't seen Herndon at all. Um, so, like, it's kind of that mystery what's behind door number three kind of thing because it really I, I could see it be anything from Herndon is completely irrelevant, worth dropping in a week or two, to he's a top five fantasy tight end in two weeks. So... 
I think that like the sky's the limit, but I think that's mostly because we have no idea what his potential is because we have no idea what any of the New York Jets offense is going to look like this, you know, next couple weeks. Yeah. The thing with Everett is like, we've been waiting for this, right? Like a lot of people have been holding on to Everett. A lot of people have been traded forever, especially in like dynasty leagues and stuff. Um, waiting for like this to happen, right? Super athletic, big target. It's kind of like, like I said, people have been waiting for this to happen. Now you just wonder, is it going to keep happening, <laughs> right? Like, like you mentioned, there's a lot of targets in, you know, on that team to go around and the offense sometimes does, you know, go crazy on one guy one week, jump to the next guy the next week. And so you do kind of wonder how consistent this could be and whether it's here to stay or not. Um, and with Herndon, like you said, I mean, we don't really know what to expect. He's back from suspension. He's his quarterback is healthy. He last year he ended on a good note. You know, who knows how much not playing this first start of the season mattered to him or not. Um, I think Disley is easily, you know, rest of the season the the leader of this group. Um, and Everett and Herndon, you could probably flip flop either way, but I think Herndon is probably going to be safer at the end of the at the end of the day, um, just because of Adam's point of all the targets. But I'm curious, Josh, what do you think here? I threw this in because this is a question I have to answer for one of my teams with a it's like a short bench redraft team and I've got Disley, Everett's out there, and I'm holding Herndon on the bench, but I think it's time to let him go. Uh, so I I'm I don't know this is really tough for me. I do think it's Everett over Herndon just because the Jets have been so bad. They're like near the bottom of the league and team scoring where the Rams are you know, near the top. Man, I don't know how you drop Herndon, though, after holding him the first four weeks. I, like, you held him just for this, and that now after yeah. all this time dropping I, like, him seems crazy. I keep I keep picking him up and dropping him. I've picked <laughs> him up and dropped him twice, I think. Just because, like, you know, something comes up, right? You gotta... Yeah. You gotta... I think I'm just gonna ride Disley, but I don't feel sure about it at all. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Disley has the most like locked in role in his offense Everett like it feels like it could really be a flash in the pan I mean he was irrelevant the first three weeks of the season so for him to go back into irrelevancy would not shock me at all because they have so many weapons on that offense that he's not really needed and you know he becomes kind of an ancillary piece outside of Tyler Lockett Will Disley's probably the best receiver they've got on that offense so he's going to be locked in Chris Herndon might be the best receiver the Jets have. Like, I I mean, I really don't know what that offense is going to look like, like I said. So, I don't know. Personally, I think that Everett probably, for me, actually falls last because he he has the most um, unsure role in his offense. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, and, and to make it clear, Will Disley is like a thug DC squirrel. He's going to get his. He ain't going to take no for an answer. He's taking his shit, man. So I would not question Disley. I think Disley is for sure the tight end here in this group, and I would trust Hernan over Everett until I see Everett. If Everett does that again, then I'm with you. But I need to see it again to believe it because I don't know, man. It's just hard to expect in that offense for him to keep doing that. But I understand where you're coming from, Josh. I don't think it's crazy, man. I think it's a... It's a good conversation to be had. And 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 Adam, I think the point where you're saying with Herndon, like you if you have waited on him this long, it's kinda like, how can I drop the dude? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like but again it comes back to that point. How long are we gonna wait on guys to, to happen? And how much are we gonna let it affect our teams? 
So this is a this a good question. It's a good one. But Disley, I think nobody. I mean, Josh, you're not questioning Disley in this group, are you, really, man? No. Okay. No, I, like I definitely feel the safest okay. girl in Disley. Oh. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. So yeah, Everett and Herndon is the question. We'll see the next couple of weeks, man. How that's how that, how that plays out. I'm curious. We can definitely revisit it in a couple of weeks and to see kind of where that's at because it will be curious and fun to follow. Um, all right, let's move over to the not so obvious flex locks of the week, which we all did pretty well on this last week. We all did pretty well. Adam, did you do good? Some better than others. Yeah, huh? I was gonna say we didn't all do pretty. I well. don't think Adam did no. too. Well. I was no, trying no. to. I was, was trying. It was to... varying levels. Uh, I did awful. Neil <laughs> did what would have been a pretty decent week on most weeks, and then Josh annihilated everyone. Yeah, I think if Josh's guy didn't annihilate us, my guy would have won. To be weeks. fair, Josh was unofficial. He wasn't on the podcast. We don't know what he would have <laughs> said under the moment. That's you true. Know, he could have. You know, he had extra time to think about it. That, that's a real thing. Like, these, I did uh, have two extra days, I think. These so. bright. Uh, it, it's it's cool. I, I mean, I think a lot of people were on Will Fuller. I know I played him a lot in DFS, and that was phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was just a great pick. Bruh, he got me, like, 70 points in Scott Fishbowl. Come on, bro. <laughs> so that's, crazy. That's the ridiculous. scoring there is so ridiculous. That was so ridiculous. 70 points. When that happened, I was like, he's, he's flex lock of the week. We're good. We're good. That's it. No question about it. 70 points in Scott Fishbowl, that's nuts. I think I had my highest score in a week, too. Is, and, like, without even other guys coming through, for the most part, like, it still was my highest score in a week because of him. It was crazy. Which, I, I scored 244 this week. Is that decent? Because I know yeah. you guys have been outscoring me. You guys have like, been outscoring that, that's me. That's a really good score, but the people who were scoring the highest last week were scoring 300 plus. Son of a bitch. I got to pick up. I got to pick it up. Got to pick it up somewhere, man. It's tough. Yeah, who who would have thought that Will Fuller and DJ Chark would have been my highest scorers? Like, it's just nuts. Fantasy football is so fun. It's a crazy game. How about Chark, man? He's not even on our list to talk about, but can we give this guy, like, some credit here? Like, this dude has really... I hate... I have a uh, real, like, short start two running back, two wide receiver... Uh, redraft league that I've literally left him on the bench every single week this year and it's made me infuriated because that's gonna <laughs> be just, killing you I never have given the guy the trust and it, it bugs the crap out of me because in larger leagues I'm playing him every week but uh but yeah it's uh it's unfortunate that's crazy all right so we had a good week for the most part one guy that wasn't under the bright podcast lights made the best call and Adam didn't do so well but that's okay um, let's try this again. Let's try this again this week, fellas. Let's pick a lock for the flex this week. Um, who wants to go first? We'll let Crocker go first since he didn't go last week technically and spanked all of us. So we'll let Mr. Hotshot go first. Okay, so I'm going to see if you guys will let me get away with this. Yeah, what about Christian Kirk? Is Christian Kirk passable this week? Adam, you're our Cardinals guy. Sure. <laughs> I got a backup. I, got a backup. I mean, is, is he coming back this week? I don't know. Then I, I, I mean, I think, we I do a really work. good job at Clock Dodgers of recommending guys who don't end up playing <clears throat> Neil. Um, so I mean, you could stick with that tradition, but I might opt for somebody who we actually know is going to play. <laughs> okay, then I'll just go to the backup because nobody will call this one too chalky. I don't think. But Preston Williams, 
against the Reds. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't oh, discuss this. I'm so this. glad I had a backup. And the, cool. and the listeners can see That's a great pick. this is a this is a great glimpse into the behind the scenes of Clock Dodgers. We do not discuss this beforehand. Uh, very clearly, we do no work here. Um, all right, so Adam, now that he's taken one of your guys and you have a backup option, you said luckily, who do you have as your backup option? No, I want to hear Josh talk about all the awesome reasons that Preston Williams is a great start this week because. I, I, I was on him two weeks ago and he didn't go off. So why is he going to go off this week? Delight Josh? us, Josh. Well, I like him because, you know, he's like he's getting the most targets and air yards on his team. But yet he's not like this. You know, it's not like saying, oh, I think Adam Thielen's going to have a good week. And playing the Redskins, that's a nice matchup. You know, Julian Edelman hung 25 on him. Uh, Taylor Gabriel had a big game against him, but that was mostly touchdowns, I think. It, they they've given up a lot of big games to wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. So positive matchup. You know that the Dolphins are going to be throwing it. I, I just I think Preston Williams is a good player, and I think that this is probably the most competitive game, good game that they're going to have. So why not? Why not this week for Preston? Just Williams? to echo that, I mean they're also going to be able to game script because they're coming off the bye. They're game scripting against potentially the worst team in the NFL. They're, you know, rolling out Josh Rosen for his second start. So Josh Rosen now has a little bit of experience in that offense. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are pointing to Preston Williams being a great start. So, yeah, great pick, bud. <laughs> I'm happy to go back to Christian Kirk. And... Uh, you're good. I, I pushed you off. <laughs> I should have I just let you have Christian Kirk. That's so ironic. But that's good, though, because I have a backup as well. So, um, yeah, my, my flex lock of the week this week is going to be Jamison Crowder. Uh, I really hope that was Neil's pick. That would have been fun. <laughs> um, but uh, but Jamison Crowder has basically been a dud since week one. Uh, and in week one, he saw an insane amount of targets. I believe he had 17 targets that first week. Yep, 17 targets, 14 receptions. I mean, really, the only thing that I see as a potential like stars aligning situation for him is that you have Sam Darnold coming back this week, and you have a situation where Darnold, because of the type of injury he had, uh, he wasn't injured per se. Uh, he had mononucleosis, so he had an enlarged spleen. Um, part of the fear with having an enlarged spleen is it rupturing, and obviously if he's being cleared to play, there's no risk of that anymore, so... Maybe this is a little overly narrative-based, but I just feel like they're going to have an objective to get the ball out quick because they often they don't want him to take a lot of hits. They they don't want to you know run into any risky situations with him. So I think because of that, they're going to be doing a lot of things you know close to the line of scrimmage, and that's where Jamison Crowder thrives. So I think there is a potential for him to have you know five to seven catches in this game. So that that's my flex lock of the week. It's funny that you picked my boy Crowder because he was a guy I was looking at. <laughs> so he wasn't one of the options that were there. There's also, man, I don't know if I should, I didn't know how deep I wanted to go on this one. I was like, do I want to go super deep? Just pick somebody who scores like five points at least this week. Well, that's, you know, that's super deep, man. That's, you know, <laughs> that's easy for me. That's where I like to go. Um, all right. See, I don't want to go. I had Robbie Anderson. I don't want to go him now because you said Crowder. Um, so let's. I'm just gonna go with my super deep guy then, cause I, I always like to have two guys 
and just depending on what you guys do. And if you guys go not super deep, then I don't go super deep. And if you guys go super deep, I go super deep. Um, but since you said Crowder, I don't want to go Robbie Anderson. So off the fly here, I'm going to just pull someone out that no one's going to believe in. And how crazy do I want to get? All right. I'm going to go with a guy that if you are in a bad place, <laughs> you really need help for whatever reason in your flex. You're in a deep league. I do believe in this guy, even though I feel like his role is obviously too limited for you to ever actually feel great against him with him. I like his matchup this week though. And he's a, a backup. He's a backup running back. I'm going with Gus Edwards, Gus motherfucking Edwards. And the reason for that is they are playing the worst rush defense in the entire league. Teams are running the ball down the Bengals throats. Mark Ingram is going to need a relief man when he's running the ball down their throats. And Gus Edwards is going to get some cheapy touchdown and some receiving yards, not a lot, and a decent amount of rushing yards. And he's going to beat your Preston Williams and your Jamison Crowder. I, I, I like it, man. I, I wrote him up this week. You're a smart man, Josh. Me and you are aligned so, this week. Gus, Gus is getting like eight-something carries a game, but in that week one matchup where the Ravens blew out the Dolphins, similar to what they might do to the Bengals, Gus had like 17 carries. So, damn right. Oh, yep, seventeen carries for fifty-six yards. <laughs> hey, hey, it's fucking it's, James it's Connor, right. like He's zero doing. touchdowns on the year. Great pick, Neil. Just Five watch, points, buddy. just watch. You're gonna get there. I believe. Just watch. You. Fifty-six yards. I see him to stumble into the touchdown, and we're good. Fifty-six yards, stumble into a touchdown, maybe get a reception or two. Boom. That's it. We're good money. I guarantee I beat both of you this week, Garen fucking to it all right let's move off of the flex lock i hope gus edwards has a will fucking fuller week i would love it (laughs) all right let's move off of the not so obvious flex mine was the most not so obvious so fuck you both Um, very much so yeah i'm I'm playing the, the game here my man let's move over to fowler no foul i have three fowler no fouls today um two are football related one is not the first one we're starting with, and we'll let Josh answer first, is something I mentioned kind of earlier. It's a lot. Of, it's, a, it's a narrative I've seen thrown around everywhere because of the situation going on in Washington, and that is the Redskins will never be good until they have a new owner. Foul or no foul, Josh? Uh, I'll go no foul. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair, especially when you got a guy like Dan Snyder who likes to be pretty hands on, and I, I think that's a real thing. Yeah, and, the, and another reason I brought this up, if you haven't seen Scott Van Pelt talk about it, um, I would tell you to check out that. He only, It was only like three minutes long, but he mentioned like the history of Washington. I think he's from the city. And um, he mentioned like since Dan Snyder's been the, the owner, like how they have gone through like every style of coach. So like the, the up-and-coming coach, the Super Bowl champion coach, the, you know, the veteran coach, the young coach, and like none of it's ever worked. The best coach he's had is 8-8, eight and eight, and he fired him after one year. So it's like a horrible situation since Dan Snyder took over. Um, so I agree with you, no foul. Adam, you agree? Is it yeah, possible? Yeah, I have to. I mean, I think the record speaks for itself. Like you said, they haven't had above an 8-8 eight and eight season in the time he's been there. I mean, That's kind of crazy it, when you think about it. It's tough to blame it on ownership, but it, I mean, it feels at this point like it's pretty obvious it has to be. Um, and it's unfortunate for Washington fans, but who knows? Maybe the next owner will uh, change their mascot 
Uh, and they could have a brand new Washington team with a fresh start. Wouldn't yeah. that be lovely? It's one of those things that kind of sucks in sports, right? Where like you could change coaches, you could change players, but like that owner never has to be forced out, <laughs> right? I mean, oh, there's... I thought you were gonna say like you can change players, you can change coaches, but you can't change your racist mascot. That's... Oh no, didn't go there. <laughs> a lot of people feel they're cursed, man. I, I I know. I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy situation. I, I I didn't even know they were that bad since he took over, like completely bad like that. I, I had no clue. Um, so no, I didn't realize it either because didn't they make the playoffs at least within the last five years? Because I feel like every year there's a different winner of that uh, NFC East. Yeah, I feel like I they did, say... but uh, it might have been at 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure I didn't go too far into it. I just believed my man Scott Van Pelt and rolled with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I took his word for it. All right, the uh, next one, and this one comes from my uh, traveling recently. Um, inconvenience in locals while taking pics on your vacation is rude. Foul or no foul? Like just asking people to take a picture. Not, not even, like getting in their way. Like getting in the way of people trying to go to work, walking back to lunch, getting in traffic, trying to take all these pictures. You're like in front of buildings, blocking everybody's way. Is it rude to take your selfish moment and, and capture this picture? I mean, I think there's probably a rude way to do it, but I don't think just being a tourist is rude. I think it's fine. And and they're locals. They probably are used to it. I don't know. Maybe they're really pissed about it too, but I, I don't <laughs> I was thinking think the reason I thought about this is because, you know, when I was out in like Washington and New York and stuff, like my wife or another family member would be like, hey, let's take a picture right here. And I'm like, yeah, but we're blocking like everybody to do this. Like, <laughs> like can we not do this here? And they were getting like mad at me and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm just like, this is kind of inconvenience and everybody else around us. And like, I don't want to do this here. Like, oh, it's a, you know, a traffic walkway. We're waiting for the, the, the sign to change to cross the street. Oh, let's take a picture here. It's like, come on. Like, we could do something better than this. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this thing is going to change. you felt that way, it was probably a real thing. I felt it, man. <laughs> but I could just be thinking about everybody else a little too much, man. I don't know. Adam, what do you think? You live, you, you're in a city over there, Chicago. It's a lot of tourist people there, right? Oh, dude, I see this shit all the time. My favorite is when you see the people who are obviously posing for their Instagram. <laughs> it's real great. I saw it literally the other day. I was walking back, and it was like, you know, near sunset, and these two girls were standing on a bridge and literally standing all the way on opposite sides of the bridge. So you can't walk around them while she's taking a photo and i'm like at that point that's obnoxious because you literally you can't you're blocking all of the flow of traffic it's a bridge you can't walk around if you have your back to one end to take the photo and the girl has her back to the other end to be in the photo so yeah i think that there's there's a right and a wrong way to do it and i think that ultimately like if you're if you're in middle of traffic then no you shouldn't be stopping to take a photo but I think that, yeah, like you said, I think it's kind of easy to be overly self-conscious about it as well. Yeah, though. I think I am. Also, by the way, guys, I see an article on CNN. They say selfies are very dangerous. Like, tons of people die every year from these things. So stop being stupid, guys. Like, they're falling off of dams and shit. and Grand Canyon. Grand yeah. Canyons and everything. Like, come on, guys. Just not be too ridiculous. No, got to get those pics. You got to get it. You got to get them Instagram likes. It's crazy, man. It's nuts how this works. Got to get those likes. Crazy the way things have evolved. All right, the last one, and you know I had to get my boy into this. He's my boy now. Uh, you know I had to get my boy into this episode. Zay Jones will be a fantasy-relevant wide receiver in Oakland. Foul or no foul, Adam. By relevant, yeah, uh, I mean flex-worthy any one? day of the week. Can we just go on to no, the next No, we're not going to go to the next one. <laughs> this is it. 
Zay Jones has made his way into the Clock Dodgers podcast because he's an Oakland Raiders wide receiver. I know it's it's kind of the perfect marriage for you. You you know you're just getting all of these terrible players that you love. Uh, <laughs> no, I um I don't know. I feel like this is really going to tell the tale of Zay Jones because if he's not successful in this offense, then I don't know where he's going to be successful because there's no competition. Um, so just from that standpoint alone and the fact that they're trading for him, I feel like he's he's bound to get targets. But as far as being fantasy relevant or anything, hell no. Damn, Josh, come on, man. Show my Raiders some love, bro. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough. Hunter Renfro wasn't getting much love there. I think it's I think it's the the Darren Waller and Tyrell Williams show. I think I don't, we'll right. see. He could surprise me, but I don't. I wouldn't like rush to the waiver wire. Yeah. You see, you see how Josh just conveniently left out Josh Jacobs. Yep. He conveniently leaves <laughs> out. The best <laughs> running back in football. That's all. That's all. That's all he is. Just you know, somebody that we all should ignore. I got in so much. I. I, I had so many debates this week because I mentioned Josh Jacobs and you know people get riled up. Surprisingly, Josh wasn't the one attacking me. It was others. They didn't like my takes, guys. But Zay Jones, for real, just speaking on him quickly because obviously there's not really much of a reason to speak on him. This year he only has like I don't know how many receptions he even has under ten. <laughs> I assume uh, he's done nothing at all. Um, which okay, last season, fifty something receptions, over six hundred yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, is that? something we just ignore yes i don't know man i don't know i don't know if there's something more to this or he's just not that good i mean he he's a slot receiver who if he you know if he's given volume he'll catch passes i mean that that's i can see him doing that as a raider as well um just I consistently just fantasy relevant yeah I mean, you don't see I, it i just yeah, I don't. I don't think that that offense is designed to support that many receivers anyway. Like, I mean, like Josh said, it is a pretty consolidated offense. I don't see him like, you know, making a target share for himself there. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, even if he made it to number two wide receiver besides behind Tyrell Williams, next to Tyrell Williams, um, you're still talking about, you know, if you're paying attention to the Raiders' offense, the tight ends were heavily used last week. Wall, you know, Waller and the and the rookie Moreau both did, you know, had games. Josh Jacobs is clearly a focal point of the offense. Um, so, you know, con, you know, wondering about something like this is kind of pointless. Uh, will he do anything? Who knows? I just felt talking like, talking about it because I'm a Raider fan. People are bothering me about it already. They're, everyone's waiting for me to talk about him, so I figured let's bring him up. Let's get it out there. But really, of course, until he proves anything, it's pointless. And should you have one on your team? No. Uh, yeah. Are you guys surprised I said that? A little bit. A little bit. I don't know. I have no. Yeah, shares. I thought you were gonna get crazy with it, but no, nah, I'm not gonna get crazy. I'm not gonna get out of hand. I already chose Gus Edwards this week. I can't get too crazy. There's, there's a, there's a line that you cross from crazy to stupid, and so Gus Edwards put me on the borderline, and I didn't want to cross it. <laughs> no, I like the Gus Edwards take. <laughs> all right, so that's actually all I had for foul or no foul. So the only way we close this show out every week is with show and tell. I don't know if either one of you brought anything today. Did anyone of you bring anything fancy today? I brought something, and I'm kind of upset that we didn't talk about it last week because I feel like Neil and I dropped the ball on that, which uh, was there was a big UFC pay-per-view this past weekend from uh, from Australia, and Israel, the last style banner, Adesanya, 
won the middleweight title against Robert Whitaker and did it with a second round stoppage, just pure style points. Um, literally knocked down Whitaker at the buzzer in the first round. Uh, if it wasn't for the bell, literally saving him, that that fight would have been stopped in the first round. And really, I mean, the reason I wanted to bring it up here is watching that fight and then watching the post like press conference with him. I really started to have the feeling that we might be watching the next giant face of MMA. Like, Right now, I think we have this whole post-Conor McGregor, and uh, everybody's kind of been looking for who's going to fill it next. And I think there was a lot of hope that that would be Khabib, because obviously, like, he dethroned Conor, he's undefeated, but it's hard to promote, you know, this Russian beast. It's not hard to promote Israel. I mean, he is everything that the MMA world kind of needs from a promotional standpoint. Um, He's... Super into esports. He is very popular amongst that community. Uh, he's a dancer. He's into hip hop. He's kind of honestly, uh, this might be weird or off base, Neil, but is he kind of like the first hip hop UFC champion? Like, I don't mean to, you know, overly throw him into a category, but he dances like he has that sort of bravado to himself that, I mean, you don't really see that from other. UFC fighters as much as you do from athletes and other sports. So I really think that he has like this huge star potential and especially with being undefeated, that's kind of the thing that everyone always gravitates to with fighters is when they get undefeated runs, people just get super hyped. I think that he has that potential to, to really be the, you know, the next big thing in the UFC. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think you know what you're saying is like he's he's super like culturally relevant, um, in everything. Like right, obviously, like the Airbender is like an anime thing, um, like you said, the hip hop side of things, um, the way he speaks, the way he carries himself, the whole you know the whole thing he puts on is a really like he's like a really culturally relevant fighter. If that makes sense, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but I think it does. To me, it makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, man. and uh, on top of that, being both Nigerian and New Zealand. Um, like raised, so he has that that kind of international feel to him as well. While being someone who's probably like one of the biggest fighters, if not you know ascending to be the biggest fighter in the U.S., so he definitely has that both international claim and that you know relevance in the U.S., which is the major market for the UFC. Yeah, and he's you know he's an inspirational dude, man. For a lot of people, you know, what I mean, he says the right things, and he just. Yeah, man, dude's really good, and he's gonna be great for a long time. And like you said, he's their next star. There's no question about it. And you know, what what, what did he say, man? If he could sing, Justin Bieber would have to worry about him or something like that. <laughs> he said, <laughs> yeah. if I could sing, Justin Bieber would have a job or something like that. Like, yeah, man, he's like a fun dude to you know to be a fan of and to root for, and you know, it just gives people confidence. So it's gonna be fun to watch him, man. It's gonna be fun to see you know how far this thing goes. But yeah, you know, wait, we we did drop the ball, man. We dropped the ball. You kept us, you know, you're holding us accountable, Adam. I appreciate it. You're holding us accountable, my man. Josh, do you have anything? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I was out at a park this week, right? And this woman was there, and she was talking to her kids. And the the way that parents talk to their kids nowadays, just like, so the kid was 
um, on like a toy. It's like a one of these like excavator type toys in sand that where there's like levers and you can dig holes. Have you guys seen those things? That's yeah, Oklahoma, that's that's o- it's Oklahoma. So shit. the kid, the kid's been there for a while. Another kid is wanting to play, and so she's like basically telling her kid, "Your turn's over." But it was like, I just she was like, "Okay, so you've had a really long turn." do you think you should let someone else have a turn? And the kid, no. And, and so, well, think about, you know, empathy. And she's like talking to this six-year-old kid. Like, like I could have just said, your turn is over. You're done. And is this what parenting is nowadays? Do you have to like negotiate and act like you don't have authority? I, I just, it blew me away. Like, is this millennial parenting? Would it have been wrong if she would have said, get the fuck off? <laughs> would, that have been, like, would that have been too I, far? <laughs> but maybe just a hair too far. Like you just, you just, but like you just go up to the kid and you just say, you're done. It's time to give someone else a turn. You don't have to be mean, but like 400 words about empathy. And like, I think it's time for you to obey. Is that how people parent today? Yeah, man. I think I think they want their kid to make the right decision. They they want them to make the decision for themselves. Again, just playing devil's advocate as the non-parent, because yeah, I, I, it, I have no uh, it kind of like no dog in this fight. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that is kind of the idea behind it. Is they want they want the kid to go. Oh, you're you're right. I shouldn't be the only one who gets to play. I should have this really advanced cognitive thought that i'm having this much fun it would really be great to allow someone else to have this much fun as well but they're six right <laughs> like, you're, at, you're asking they're the not kid. going to have that thought right yeah I, adam i mean you're right I, I think that's what she's going for is like not just making your kid do it and maybe when not there they will choose to do the right thing but like just from a pure energy point of view like i'm not saying 600 words every time i need my kid to do something <laughs> you gotta drop some f-bombs once in a while I, i'm with you josh <laughs> that's just like it, people it just blew me. like i just i walked away i i seriously had to walk away and i was like if this kid if this mom was in my kids was in my class you know like her kid was in my class she would hate me yeah because then just she's like, gonna want you to explain the way i thing. talk to kids it ain't that right <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, what people would even with like, you know, hitting a kid, you know, like once upon a time, that was normal. Now hitting a kid, someone wants to call, you know, child abuse on you or, you know, whatever. Everyone looks at things differently, right? Like some people believe kids yeah. should never be touched. Never. Like there's nothing that earns you to hit a kid. And when I say hit, I'm not talking about like sharp abuse, you know, a kid. I'm just talking about slapping their wrist type of thing. Some people believe it's never deserving. It's never earned. That should never happen. Other people believe sometimes it's the only way to get through. You know what I mean? Like, it just has to happen sometimes. So, you know, we're in a PC culture, man. Like, and I, I don't know, man. Being a parent is, like, a weird thing. Like, there, I don't I don't know if there's a right way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, this is the only way kind of thing. It's kind of like fancy football, man. There's no one set path to make this thing right. You just try your best. You know what I mean? Just a lot of wrong ways. Yeah. It's a lot of wrong Ooh. ways. And, it's not, I mean, sometimes, like, you know, in that case, you're like, hey, you know, she probably, who knows, maybe she'll get tired of doing it that, that way at some point and switch up. Maybe it's her first kid and she hasn't figured it out. But 
you know, sometimes you see kids, you're like, damn, did they really get stuck with the worst parents ever or what? <laughs> like, you just like, man, it's terrible. But I, I see your point, though, because like you said, in your class, you have to understand, like, say you have 30 kids in your class, every one of their parents are raising them differently, right? So, like, now you're coming at them a different way, too. You know what I mean? And the parents want you to come at them a different way. That's got to be a tough uh, dynamic to, you yeah, know, to try to I, I mean, that. I don't know. It, it just blew me away, Neil. I just can't even... <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not that soft with my kids in terms of trying to explain stuff. I don't. I don't. I, I think I'm more like you than like that lady. I mean, I try to be as nice as possible with it, but I'm not gonna sit there. Yeah, and, but uh, like, I'm not gonna give a lecture. It's just yeah, you're right. Like, you don't have to be mean. I'm gonna try to be nice, but your turn's over. It's really over. My show and tell is actually. I actually feel like show and tell can be used in the reverse way, and what I, what I mean by that is. I have something that tell and show. Well, no, no, in a reverse way, as in like there's something that I watched that I I want to tell, but not in a way in a positive way for the show. Um, I watched a movie on Netflix. I don't know if anyone has seen this yet. I don't know how popular the movie is. I just kind of randomly selected it just off the name, and it was called Time Trap. And the movie fits exactly when you watch it. The title makes sense because it just trapped your time and wasted it. I was like, what the hell just happened here? Like the movie, honestly, the premise. Was it had, it had something going for it, and it when it ends, you're like, whoa, that's like where we end. Like to me, this is like the middle now. Like this is where we should start. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was it, it was just a real waste of time, and it more so disappointed me because I felt like if this thing was done right, it would have a lot of potential. Like it could be an actually a good movie. But the way it ended, and where it ended, it was like no way you just did that to me. Like this is crazy. Like this can't, this, it felt like it was half a movie. I felt like it stopped before the movie was over or something. And I had to look to make sure there was no error on my Netflix. So show and tell this week for me is not one that I want you to watch. It's one that I'm trying to help you not watch, um, to not waste your hours of your day watching time trap. Um, unless you want to watch it just to see what I'm talking about <laughs> and understand Man, relate. I, I've thought so many times on Netflix, who watches these ridiculous movies that no one has ever heard of? You found Neil. Them. Neil's Neil the one who clicks on Time Trap. Let me, let me just explain something really quick. Let me I just... love that you clicked on Time Trap thinking, this has promise. Listen, fuck this spoiler shit, ready? Let me tell you something really quick. If you want to see Time Trap, fucking turn this episode off at this point. Let me tell you something. Dude, Time Trap, it said it was a movie about a, like a cave or some shit where when you went in, it altered time on the outside like you were moving at a different pace than everybody else, right? These kids go in oh. this cave to find somebody. So why didn't you just watch Lost? Well, yeah, I love Lost. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. But when you see something like this, you're like, that could be interesting, right? So I'm like, all right, this could be interesting. Let me give this a shot. I start watching it. Sure enough, people go into a cave. Time on the outside is moving way quicker. They realize it. They try to fig- they try to get out. Dude, bro, let me explain something to you. They get out, and it's like a totally different time than they went in, and that's where the movie ends. Oh, not sequel. not like oh now let's see how this works out like let's hear the story to these future people and what's happened and this nope movie's over kids come out the hole it's over we're done you guys are in the future goodbye end of the movie i was like what how is that the end of this movie like that is the most interesting part now is what happens after they get out of that fucking hole like oh man it was just god it was like a adam take halfway through <laughs> you think it's halfway through and it's over and you're like what happened that was it oh come on man that's what i felt like Hard i was like this show. is what it feels like to be adam and give takes okay anyway that's my show and tell for this week don't watch time trap unless you want to be wasting your time and trap your time for nothing um other than that guys 
Adam, you can find him at the other FF guy if you don't already follow him. He will trap your time. It's not worth it, but you can follow him. Uh, Josh Crocker. You too, bud. <laughs> Josh Crocker at JC Crocker. Uh, you can find him there, and he's worth a follow as well. He has a lot of great articles. He's writing about Gus Edwards. Is it out? Yeah, it today came out. Oh, it's out. out. Okay, I haven't seen it yet, but I will, of course, see it like I always do, Josh. Neil and muted me on Twitter a long I, time ago. Yeah, I'll Smart definitely man. see it. <laughs> I, just mute, I just mute your Josh Jacobs takes. Um, so go check out his articles because he's got Gus Edwards in it, and that's it's freaking, that's awesome. That's basically what it is. You can find me at Clock Dodgers. Thank you guys for listening. As always, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, tell everyone how Adam's a time trap for us all, and we will see you next week. As always, be kind, be great, keep dodging. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.